you can see, I am not uh, teaching tonight, and that is a good thing, because I get to be with my friend, Jeremiah Micah Tuck. Jeremiah has actually been coming to the chapel. Yeah, we can give him a round of applause. Not bad, huh? Thank you. Uh, Jeremiah, he has been at the chapel for over 10 years now. Yeah, That's hard to believe. And Jeremiah is a pastoral intern at the chapel. He is uh, taking classes at Moody Theological Seminary. He's going after his Master's of Divinity as a part of that. Uh, he needs an internship. And so we've been talking for about eight months now or so. And we just yeah. said, man, we would love to have you here at the chapel. And we're just so grateful to have him here. Uh, obviously, Jeremiah is in a wheelchair. And uh, he is permanently disabled with cerebral palsy. Wait. Eric? Yeah? What was, what was that you said? Could you run that by me again, please? Please? Just You're permanently disabled. The, the other part, too? Cerebral palsy? Okay. The cerebral palsy part I knew, but this whole part about being a permanent. <laughs> what, why is this the, the first I'm hearing about this? The, 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 <laughs> This is frankly a little awkward. <laughs> um, I, I, I see my mom right, right there. Sorry, mom, but you're right there. I can see you. It's been 43 years. Why is this the first time hearing about this? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, no. I, I had always assumed until now that it would be sort of a proof of purchase return system. Yeah. I mean, why else have I been eating Cheerios five days a week for the last 43 years? <laughs> I just thought that um, I had to return all the proofs of purchase. <laughs> Boy, this, this, it's going to take me some time to process. So just bear with me, because again, I'm getting some news right here. So, you know, just give me a moment. If, if I start stumbling or if I start mumbling on about conspiracy theories <laughs> involving the Kennedy assassination, you know, again, just bear with me. But all kidding aside, you know, I think when people meet someone like me for the first time, their initial response, right, is usually something like, oh, that poor guy. They, and you might not even say it out loud, right? But I think that's what most people are thinking when they first meet someone like me. And I get it. Kind of. We may look a bit different. We may sound a bit different when we talk. So there might be some curiosity. There might be some fear, even. But, you know, I got to be honest with you. In a way, I think the people who pity individuals like me, frankly, I think you've got it completely wrong. If anything, you should be jealous of people like me. That's right. You should be jealous. Now, 
I'm going to make what I consider to be a bold statement. I'm even going to go so far, forgive me, as to call it a proclamation. And my proclamation for all of you is this. It may offend some of you. Some of you may want to leave, but that's okay. But my proclamation is this. I think God likes me a little bit more than the rest of you. <laughs> I, I cannot wait to hear yeah. why. Yeah, yeah, I think it's true. I think he liked me just a wee bit more. <laughs> now, okay, I realize that I'm just in one foul swoop alienated about 95% of my audience. So perhaps I should rephrase that just a touch. I don't think it's just me that God likes more than the rest of you. I think it's actually disabled people like me that God likes more. You see, because when you're disabled like me, the things I have to do on a daily basis just to survive are things that most of you, I'm willing to guess, take for granted in your daily lives. And even, even more importantly, I think these are things that you take for granted in your daily walk with Christ. Oh my God, a guy in a wheelchair just used the phrase walk with Christ. <laughs> I, literally, I literally just shot myself in the foot. Okay, but, you know, but that's why the bottom line that I want us to all kind of gravitate to for this evening, it's so simple, but so true, and it's simply this. God digs the disabled. God digs the disabled. So, let me just let that sink in for a moment. I want to let you think about that. Now, I realize that for those of you who don't identify yourselves as disabled, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh great, God digs the disabled. Where does this leave me? What does this mean to me? And if you're like any of my former students, when I would teach at local colleges, this would be about the point where they'd start heading toward the exit. Or if you're watching on a video at home later in the weekend, this would be right about the point when you'd want to turn, on your, turn off your TV and watch something else. But before you either leave or turn off the video, let me ask you a question. What if there's a way that you can become disabled? What if there's a way that you can become disabled? Now, before I go too far down this little rabbit hole that I'm creating, let me pause. I want to make sure that we understand what I don't mean when I say you, what if 
you can become disabled. I don't mean that you should go home to your friends and family, family members and say, hey, I went to the chapel tonight or I saw this video from the chapel online and then there was this weird guy talking, Jeremiah Mikeitak, <laughs> the weird, the last name. There was a lot of Ys and a lot of Ks. Not really sure what was going on there, but what, what I don't want you to do, I want to be very clear, I don't want you to go home and say to your friend or loved one, this Pastor Jeremiah said to us at church that if we're disabled, we can be closer to Jesus. So, you know, honey, would you mind whacking me in the knees a few times with, with a baseball bat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I want to be very clear again that that is not what I'm saying. Quite frankly, if all of you tried that, you know, it, it would actually be a little problematic for me because, you know, if all of you became physically disabled as I am, I would have to fight more of you for the good parking spaces. <laughs> yeah, uh. yeah, yeah. Can you imagine the headline on the news? Mass melee for handicapped parking spot at the Sanotki Mall. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, but no, let me, let me ask that question that I just gave you a moment ago in a slightly different way. What if there's a way that each of you, each of us, can become spiritually disabled or can become aware of the fact that we are, each of us, spiritually disabled, and once we have that awareness of our spiritual disability, what if we can use that awareness to draw ourselves closer to Christ? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Thank you. So let's keep count. That's one amen so far. <laughs> Got it. One. I'm aiming, just so you know, I'm kind of aiming for half a dozen, <laughs> so if I could get just a few more, that'd be great. Yeah. Thanks, Viola. Thank you. Okay. Oh, you're Seven. up to eight. So. Okay, okay. My head, I don't know if you can see, but my head is starting to swell, and my <laughs> microphone might fall off, so we, we better stop that there. Mm -hmm. But what I'm going to suggest to you tonight is that in order to become aware of your spiritual disability, there are what I call some big whys mm -hmm. that, that are so pervasive in our culture and in our daily lives that to us they just seem like common sense. But what I'm going to suggest to you in the next few moments is that these big lies pull us away from an understanding of the fact that we are, each of us, spiritually disabled, and by extension, pull us away from a relationship with Christ. 
So the first of these big lies that, that I want to talk to you about tonight, it goes something like this. I can take care of myself. I can take care of myself. Now, for most of us, we can, when we hear that statement, right, I can take care of myself. You know, we, we kind of fill in that statement in a lot of different ways. We might think, I can feed myself. I can dress myself. I can go to the bathroom without someone helping me. I can do all these things. I can take care of myself. I am independent. But what I want to suggest is that not only is this not true for a person like me who's physically disabled, I think Scripture shows us that none of us is really independent, that we are all dependent on our Father in Heaven. Before we get, that, though, get to that point, though, I had to say that for me personally, I had to realize, had to accept that this idea that I can take care of myself, that I am independent, pretty early on in my life, I had to accept that for me it's a lie. Because quite frankly, if it weren't for someone like my cousin Gavin, who's my full-time aide, I could never get out of bed in the morning, I could never prepare my own meals, I could never get a shower, I could never do so many of the things that so many of you take for granted. So for me, because of my disability, again, I had to realize, I had to accept pretty early on that the the idea of independence is a lie. But again, you know, especially for those of you in the audience who don't identify or don't see yourself as being disabled, what I want to show you is that more importantly than my experience, than my journey, is the fact that Scripture, in fact, tells us that we are not independent. Now, when Jesus was speaking to the crowd who had gathered for the teaching that we now know is the Sermon on the Mount, he said this. I'm going to read this for us. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 26. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Okay, so let's together, let's pause. Let's reflect on what the Lord is teaching us here. What Jesus is saying to us in this scripture is that even when we think we're independent, even when we think that we take care of ourselves, that's not actually the case. Just think about what it takes 
for you to ultimately get a meal that you have on a daily basis. Sure, you may go to the store, you may buy your food, and you may cook it and prepare it on your own. You may be more, somewhat more independent than I am in that regard. But fundamentally, what Jesus is teaching us here is that none of us is really independent. We are dependent on our Father in heaven. It's God who provides the sun and the rain for the plants that we consume. It's the Lord who enables the farmers, both locally and around the world, to grow those crops and to raise those animals that we consume. It's ultimately our Father in heaven who really takes care of each of us. Now, while I think it's important to understand that none of us is, takes care of ourselves, the other point that I really want us to focus on tonight, what I call the second big lie, goes something like this. It goes something like, I have plenty of time to, and fill in the blank, right? We can fill in the blank a whole variety of ways, right? We can fill in the blank by saying, I have plenty of time to get married. I have plenty of time to land my dream job. I have plenty of time to repair a broken relationship. But, you know, since I am what I call a recovering English teacher, I feel, I feel the need to turn the tables on my friend Pastor Eric just a little bit. I want to quiz you, Eric. Okay. Let's see if Eric can guess what is the, the worst, the most dangerous way that we can fill in the statement that I have plenty of time to do what? I have plenty of time to... See the Browns win a Super Bowl. Um, oh, my God. Well, you know, here's the thing, man. I, I really, I do. I'm, you know, as a longtime Browns fan, you know, who's had his life, forget about my disability, but the Browns alone have probably chopped a good five years <laughs> off, off my life. So, and off your hair. Ow! Ow! <laughs> I thought we were buddies. We are buddies. That's why I made fun of your oh, hair. Okay. <laughs> okay. So first I've learned that I'm permanently disabled. Now he reminds me that I'm bald. That's right. Yeah. I'm an encourager. My God, I hope I remember to use Listerine today. <laughs> what's next? But no, no, that's, that's indeed a terrible way to fill in that blank. The believing that we can live long enough to see the Browns win a Super Bowl. Don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. So anyway, but no, in all, in all seriousness, the worst way that any of us can fill in that blank of saying, I have plenty of time to do this, is by saying, I have plenty of time to accept Jesus as my Savior. That's the worst 
way that any of us can fill in that blank. And I think this whole idea that we have plenty of time to do whatever we want, I think it, it's based on an assumption that most people have when they're young. When you're young and you're really healthy, right, and you're full of life, there's this foolhardy parts of the brain that tells us, I can live, you know, this life I'm leading now can go on forever. Or it can go on as long as I want it to. We had this idea that we are somehow in charge of how long our life on this earth will last. But to be quite frank with all of you, because of my disability, I had to accept a long time ago that that is simply not the case. If you look at the picture on the screens here that was taken of yours truly when I was just a couple days old. Uh, when I was first born, I weighed less than three pounds. My lungs collapsed multiple times. My heart stopped 58 times, 58 times in one eight-hour shift, okay? And then, and then because of those circumstances, a good friend of my family who was a Ukrainian Catholic priest gave me the last rites on multiple occasions. So because of those circumstances and because of the ongoing health challenges that I still deal with today, I had to long ago accept, had to long ago realize that my time on this earth is probably going to be much shorter than it is for most of you. I know that in compared to the breadth and the expanse of eternity, I know that in what will seem like no more than the blinking of an eye, that I'll be up on a stage like this, and that someone like my friend Pastor Eric here, instead of me preaching, someone like my friend Pastor Eric will be up here delivering my eulogy. And I know that shortly after he's done speaking those words, which by the way, even though I kind of threw you under the bus tonight, hope they'll be kind words. Always. Okay, good. Always. I was a little worried there. I gotta be <laughs> honest with you. Okay. But yeah, I realize, I realize that after he's done delivering my eulogy, that my mortal remains will be placed in the ground and that a cross will be put over them. But I'm not, I'm not saying these things to you to make you feel bad. I'm not trying to bum you out and not trying to be Captain Bring Down, if you will. <laughs> I'm trying to, and I don't want you to pity me, that's certainly not the case, but I want you to understand that each of us, not for someone like me, just like me, who's physically disabled, 
but for each of us, we don't command how long we get to stay on this earth. We don't have that control. That's up to our Father in heaven. And that's why I want to impress upon you that the worst way we can fill in that blank of saying, I have plenty of time to do this, is by saying, I have plenty of time to accept Jesus as my Savior. Because what can happen is that the life that we have for each of us is so fragile, so fleeting. And what can be just the, the taking of a breath, it can be gone. And again, what, what I want to impress upon you, that the scripture tells us that this isn't something that only physically disabled people like myself need to be concerned with. Scripture, in fact, shows us that everyone's life is brief. Everyone's life, compared with the breath and the majesty of eternity, is fragile. You know, James, when he was speaking to a group of early Christ followers in Jerusalem, he said this. James 4, 13 through 14. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there for a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here for a while and then it's gone. Mm -hmm. So again, the scripture tells us that our lives are fragile, fleeting. This isn't just something that I have to be aware of. This is something that each of us needs to reflect upon. Now, I realize that all of us who are hearing this message, whether you're here in this room or whether you're going to watch it at some point later online, I realize that everyone who's hearing this is in a different place. Some of you who are hearing this message, you might have a physical disability like I do. Some of you who are hearing this message might just now be realizing that you are in fact spiritually disabled. And some of you might already know that you have a spiritual disability. So no matter which of those categories you put yourself in, I wanna, I wanna kind of leave you with some next steps that I hope you, will help you to increase the awareness of your spiritual disability and by extension, and more importantly, draw you closer into a relationship with Jesus. The first of these steps is to reflect. On your own, or with the help of someone you trust, a friend like Eric, or an accountability partner like Ken Rawson, somewhere back there. You know, on your own or with someone that you trust, prayerfully ask the Lord 
to help you examine your heart. Ask him to help you understand the ways in which you're failing to realize your dependence on him. Ask him to reveal the ways that you think you're independent of him, but you're really not. Now, I realize that, you know, this call to reflect, whether we do it on our own, whether we do it with a friend, and even if we do it with the assistance of the Holy Spirit, I realize that when we open ourselves up that way to examination, that it can be difficult. It can be painful. I realize that. But even though it can be difficult, even though it can be painful, you know, self-examination is something that Scripture, again, calls us to do. In Psalm 51, David tells us that the Lord desires for each of us to have a broken or contrite heart. A broken or contrite heart. Now, I want to pause there for just a moment. Why would God want us to have a broken heart? Initially, when we say that, doesn't it seem kind of weird? Because usually, when we think of, of having a broken heart, it, we usually think of it in terms of being dumped, and then there's this cavalcade of emotion. Oh, my God, they don't love me. <laughs> Nobody's ever going to love me again. But it's, it's not quite what David and the Lord are teaching us in this psalm. The important thing for us to realize, God values, God cherishes a broken heart. Because a broken heart is one that's open. A broken heart is one that can receive the Holy Spirit. And a broken heart is one that can be transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's the first thing to reflect. The next thing is to tell or to talk. You know, each of us is dependent not only on God, but on other people. Sure, most of you in the audience, you might not require someone to get you out of bed in the morning, like I do, but you are nonetheless dependent on other people. So I encourage you to talk with the people who God has put in your life. Tell them the ways in which you're struggling. Tell them the ways in which you're hurting. Tell them the ways in which you need your help. Because the more that we open ourselves up to other people, the more that we realize that we are dependent on other people, the easier it is for us to accept that we're dependent on God. And finally, the last uh, next step for us is to commit. Commit, first of all, if you haven't done so already, to a relationship with Christ. Because a relationship with Christ 
is ultimately the only way that any of us in this room or who are watching online can break free from those big lies that continually pull us away from God. So first of all, commit to a relationship with Christ. Now, for those of you in this room or online who have already committed to a relationship with Christ, who have accepted him as your savior, I say wonderful, great. One bit of bad news, if you've accepted Christ as your savior and you're gonna spend eternity in heaven, you're also gonna be stuck with me as your neighbor <laughs> for all of eternity. So just, just be ready for that. Sometimes I have what they call boundary issues. So, yeah. So, but, but, if you have already accepted Christ, the other way that you can commit is to commit to serving others. Now, for each of us, depending on how God has made us, has gifted us, that commitment is going to be a little bit different. That commitment might mean committing to visiting an elderly relative on a regular basis. It might mean committing to volunteering at a local food pantry. Or it might mean committing to volunteering at the Nehemiah Center right here in Sandusky. But I guarantee you, I promise you, that the more you commit to serving others, the more it's, the easier it's gonna be for you to realize your own weakness, your own spiritual disability, and to commit to Christ. So, in closing, would all of you join me in prayer? Father, thank you for this time that we have shared together. Thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for this awesome worship music. But most of all, Lord, I thank you that you have designed each of us to be spiritually disabled because it's only through the awareness of our spiritual disabilities that we can come closer to you. In your son's name we pray, amen. Amen. What do we say to Jeremiah? <laughs>